We're jumping right back into a story today uh, that we started last week. I can catch you up really easily if you weren't here with us last week. It starts like this. The people of God were not dancing anymore. They weren't singing anymore. They weren't laughing anymore. They weren't worshiping their God together anymore. They weren't uh, getting the crops out of their fields anymore or living in their own houses. They built uh, shelters in caves They were settling for a life that was less than the promise. In fact, they were already in the promised land. But we pick up the story with a young man named Gideon who is found underneath uh, the oak tree of his father, at least the angel comes underneath the oak tree of his father, Joash, while Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press, which shouldn't mean anything to you, but just to to catch you up, he was uh, trying to make bread out of something that was supposed to make wine. So it's like he's hiding the wheat because people were taking it. He's just using, the people of God are using things for unintended purposes. They've lifted their eyes to idols and they remember seven years into oppression by a people called the Midianites. Seven years in, they remember God and they call out to God and God answers them. He comes to Gideon, who's threshing wheat in a wine press and uh, God says to Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And so last week we said that we would begin our journey by saying that to each other. I don't know if you tried that and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I was at the the library yesterday renewing some books, which means uh, we have some books we can't find. Uh, And so you go and you renew them. It's just a... (laughs) And so I was renewing the books and walking out. And you may be here now. The guy, the, the library guy said to me, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I was like, do I still have to pay the fees? <laughs> and so many of us, you nodded along, I think, last week. So many of us nodded along last week as we said, yeah, I'm alive, but I don't know how much of this more than life I'm living into. Not laughing that much anymore, dancing that much anymore. I don't, I'm not really living in my own home anymore. Some of us said we could relate to this idea that the people of God had found themselves in a place of settling. God says to Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And the very next thing that, God says, that Gideon says back is this, pardon me, my Lord. Just to make sure you get that. God comes and finds him and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And he says, pardon me, my Lord. He goes on to say, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Gideon gets real really quick, begins to ask questions. But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hands of Midian. Gideon says, pardon me, my Lord, but what in the world are you talking about? He begins to ask some questions. He says, why? Why has this happened? Where? Where have you been? And he's about to get to the how, which is really Gideon's question. But first this, the Lord turns to him and says, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And Gideon says, this is verse 15, not a a repeat of what I just said. Gideon says again, pardon me, my Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. There's the how. He said, why did this happen? Where have you been? And how can I do anything about it? I'm in the least family, and I'm the least in the least family. And he says, how in the world can I do this? Have you seen my family? Have you seen my finances? Have you met my boss? Gideon says, you've got the wrong guy. 
And the Lord answers him, I will be with you and you'll strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. The Lord answers him and says, I'll be with you and you will strike down the Midianites. So the answer to the question how is very simple. It is the Lord will be with you. God says, review the first part. Remember what I said to you. Gideon replies, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. Guys, I realize that we are deep into Judges chapter 6 at 9.30 in the morning, okay? 9.37. I get it, all right? I am begging you to hang on as we go through some more verses, okay? Because all I have for you today is the word of God and the story of Gideon and my best attempt for us to hear God's spirit about what it says to us today. And God tells Gideon, the how is what I already told you. I'm gonna be with you. And Gideon says, "Uh, can I go make an offering and then set it before you? Gideon realizes God is for real. And if you wanna know what he's doing right now, he is stalling. He says, uh, please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering. He says, uh, if it's okay with you, God, I just want to have a little worship service before I go and fight Midian by myself. And the Lord says, I will wait until you return. He stalls and God says, I will wait. Like I said, we got a lot of ground to cover today. The next five verses, this is what happened. Gideon goes and he prepares an offering. He sets it before God and it turns into fire. Remember, he's just asked them, will you give me some evidence that you're for real? He needs more evidence than an angel sitting under his dad's oak tree, okay? And so God makes the offering turn into fire. And then he builds an altar to God in that place. It's as if Gideon is saying, I know I'm supposed to go to Midian, but I need a little church before I go. Then verse 25, that same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. God knows Gideon so well, he knows the age of his dad's cattle. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord on top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. So Baal and Asherah, they are the predominant gods of the people groups to whom the people of God have come into their land. So the people of God were supposed to come in and those people scatter, but instead the people of God have taken their idols. They have taken the idols of the people that are oppressing them. So verse 27, Gideon, I'm not done. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him, but because he was afraid of his family, But because he was afraid of his family and the townspeople, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. He tore down the altars at night. God turns his offering into fire and shows him that he's real. And Gideon says, you got got it, God. I will do it. uh, And I'm going to do it at night with nobody watching. Verse 28, in the morning when the people of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished with the Asherah pole beside it cut down and the second bull sacrificed on the newly built altar in the morning when the people got up for their normal day they looked to the idols i've been trying to think about what are my idols what are our idols Uh, i think there's some indication here the people of god as soon as they woke up they looked to the idols and they saw that they had been demolished they asked each other who did this and if you can hear the tone they're not happy about it who did this and when they carefully investigated they were told Gideon, son of Joash, 
did it. So they figured it out. Gideon wasn't great at tearing stuff down in the middle of the night with 10 of his buddies and not them being able to track that it was him. I think that's funny. It's like it's his dad's cow. They've just obliterated everyone, everything. You know, their footprints are there. Their Coca-Cola Classic cans are laying all over the place. You know, they, they've tracked all the way back to the cave, and they find Gideon and his 10 guys asleep when everybody else is awake. And when they wake the servants up, it doesn't say they figured it out. It says the guys told them that Gideon did it. They ratted him out. Gideon has done something thinking that no one will notice it's him, but it's so, so obvious. It reminded me of when my youngest daughter, Phoebe, was two or three years old. She would color herself with markers all over her, herself. And she got to the point where she was coloring her face with the markers. And we would tell her, you know, you got to have some boundaries. Like, just don't mark her all over your face, you know. And we saw this uh, video last week where we walked up on her and she had the, the marker on her face. And we're, and we're like, Phoebe, did you draw them all over your face? She looks us right in the camera and says, no. Right? You know, and Gideon is like all this evidence, and he's like, No, I didn't do it. The people of the town demanded of Joash, bring out your son, he must die, because he's broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Guys, it was Gideon's dad who built the altar. And so they've come to him knowing that he's gonna be just as mad as they are. And and they say to him, Bring your son out of the cave. And Joash replies, this is Gideon's dad, but Joash replies to the hostile crowd around him, are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him, Baal, shall be put to death by morning. If Baal really is a god, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. Joash, Gideon's dad, bows up. Joash, Gideon's dad, has his back. God's promises are already coming true. Can't you see it? He says to Gideon, if you do what I say to do, I'll be with you. The man who built the altar is saying, don't lay a hand on my son. Gideon's in the cave and he can hear the whisper of God saying, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Can't you see the promise is already coming true. Gideon is becoming what God said that he would become even as he does it at night and hides in the cave. Verse 32, so Gideon broke down Baal's altar. They gave him the name, so they gave him a new name that day, Jerob Baal that day saying, let Baal fight his own battles. Gideon's new name is let Baal fight his own battles. The people who are worshiping this altar up on a hill that Joash had put up and a pole to another God are now walking around making fun of those gods. You know, Gideon's name now means let, let, let Baal contend for himself. We're not defending him anymore. Here's what I've been thinking. If this story, I know it's a crazy story. I know it's Judges chapter six. I know it's 943 in the morning. I have a special clock in the back that's supposed to keep me on time, okay? I get it. But if this story has any correlation to my life, I think I'm about to break down some barriers then. If Gideon's real, if it's for real that we're the people of God and this is our story, then that means maybe some of the things that have been holding me back can come crashing down. Maybe some of the idols that I'm just beginning to see that are in my own life, the pastor at Providence Church, could come crashing down and I wouldn't have to settle for a life that's anything less than what God has me. Jesus promises life, abundant life. And I believe that what Jesus says is true. I don't know if you noticed, uh, we've been over a lot of verses, but there's this verse that says, Gideon, go in the strength 
you have and save Israel. Gideon's like, I don't have any strength. I'm threshing wheat in a wine press outside of a cave. And God says, I will be with you. That's the strength, guys. That's the strength. I will be with you. That's it. Uh, so Gideon stalls and he says, I want to go to church a few more times. How many of us do that? You feel like God's calling you to do something. So I just want to go to church. <laughs> That's okay. God says, I'll wait. Gideon has this worship service. And then God says, tear down your daddy's altar to Baal. Guys, this is no joke. What if you, what if this month you're being called to tear down an idol your dad put up? What if you're being called to tear down something in your family that your dad put up? What if, what if this um, Asherah pole for us is this thing in the community that everyone else has been bowing down to? What if I have to tear down what everyone else in this community has been bowing down to and I'm the only one that knows right now it's not of God? Here's what I'm thinking. Let's do it at night. <laughs> Let's do it at night. Some mighty warrior, huh? He tries to minimize what God wants to happen. Instead of tearing down the altars and the poles in the middle of the day where the people would have to deal with whatever is happening, he does it at night thinking maybe no one will notice that I did it. And sometimes we think we can do what God wants us to do and nobody will notice, but they're going to notice. So here we go. I just got a few questions for you. Are you stalling? I, I, I realize that I've got some stuff I'm stalling on. You know, dadgummit. I like worship. I like seeing God show up in worship. God's like, I want you to tear down idols. And I would say, can we have a worship service? <laughs> God says, fine, I'll wait. You see, God is patient. It's one of, the, one of the great lessons of Gideon. Next week, we're gonna look at Gideon's most famous story of laying out these fleeces. He's totally stalling. And God is patient with him. And God walks with him. God loves his heart. And God goes with him on that, on that journey. But I would ask you, are you stalling? I don't know. Are you stalling? Has God been nudging you, urging you, calling you, showing something that's supposed to come down? And you're like, let's just go to church. And you get, I like church a lot, right? God's like, that's great. He shows up in fire in worship. Gideon stalls and has a worship service and he shows up in fire. But he still says, I want you to tear down dad's altar. I talked to a friend this week. She's lived her life in many ways. Her mom has abandoned her. And she received a call that her mom had fallen deathly ill and she had no obligation to go. Nobody would have asked her to go. Nobody would have expected her to go. But she went and she looked her mom in the face and she forgave her. And she told her that she loved her and she sat with her while she died. As she told me that over the phone, I could feel the power coming through the phone. (laughs) She would tell you that she stalled for a long time. But there comes a point whether you either have to tear it down or not. And God is patient, but God is calling us. Are you minimizing? And what I mean by that is, are you saying, thank you for the plan, God. It sounds real dramatic. Sounds like it's gonna be a real winner. Um, But I'm gonna do it at night and not tell anybody. Gideon does what we do. We try to make a plan of God a little bit less than what God had in mind. And as we make that one less, we make it a little bit less. I hit a verse in Galatians last week in my, my study time in the morning. I mean, it just hit me. I'll read it to you. It's totally out of context. It's just a random verse, but I'll read it to you. It says, after beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? 
When I read it, it was as if it said Jacob, comma, at the beginning. Jacob, are, after beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now, like, are you really trying to finish by means of the flesh? Look at it for a second. How many times do I begin something by means of the Spirit, like God has brought me into this, and say, thank you, God, I'll take it from here, and I'll finish this out on my own. We minimize. Jesus says, I want to give you abundant life, and we say, I'll take mini life, right? I've already blown all your conceptions of sugar consumption last week, but like, you go to, you go to Sonic, and they have small, medium, large, and then they also have mini and like sometimes we, we make our girls get many, don't we, girls? And it's like they would order large every time, right? <laughs> I appreciate the offer to jumbo size, but I'll just take this very small life. God is saying to Gideon, I have for you all this, all this, all this life. And Gideon puts on a headlamp and goes out at night and hopes nobody sees that he's a part of what God is doing. Are you minimizing? Have you taken God's big, beautiful dream for your life and minimized and minimized and minimized to the point where God wouldn't even recognize it anymore? That's the plan? That's the plan we made? Well, here's the best news of the morning. God's plan prevails. It doesn't matter. Eventually, God will get God's way. Now, you may lose some time. That's what a lot of us have lost, right? I've lost some time. We may lose some time. But God's plan isn't held up because of you. The truth gets out. One of my favorite verses in Proverbs is in chapter 19 says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but the Lord's purpose prevails. So we can make plan after plan after plan after plan. We can squeeze in God's plans and make them smaller, but God's plan will prevail. Gideon finally does it, and they say Gideon has to die, which leads to my last question in the morning. It's just, are, are you in danger? Do you feel, as we've been talking through this, like, I think I'm putting a lot at risk. Do you feel in danger? Well, I want to be clear, when you start tearing down idols in your life and saying, I want the Jesus life, not the life my culture gives me, not the life my parents give me, then much is at risk. Much is at risk. You understand there are people who are dying for their faith in Jesus Christ today all over the world. That's not us necessarily, but, but this, isn't, um, this isn't a fairy tale. It's a real story that God is inviting us into. Here's, here's the good news to that question. You are not alone. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. It's what God says first. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. This series isn't really about living your best life now. Though I hope it makes us have a lot more life where we're at. This series for me with, with our church as we head into 10 years is saying, who's in it for the long haul? Who's willing to take down what God says to take down and to take up what Jesus says to take up? And that is like marching into a long battle. Who's gonna go Who's in it for the long haul? Who will remind me when we turn our eyes to an idol? Who will call me out? Not all of you at once, but, you know, maybe a few of you. Don't settle for what you can protect. That's our word for today. Sometimes we think, I think if I do it at night, I can keep this safe, right? I think if nobody knows, I can. But don't settle for that. Don't settle for what you can protect. So to tear down idols, that's what we're talking about this morning. I know uh, maybe you didn't think second week of August we'd be talking about tearing down idols, but here we go. Tearing down idols requires clarity. Okay? You don't want to do it just willy-nilly. You, know, you need a season to see what the idols are. Did I just say willy-nilly? I think so. Okay. <laughs> that's what we hope this series can be. Not willy-nilly, but clarity. Don't rush it. God is patient. Ask God to show you. I would ask you, what do you look to in the morning? 
What are you looking at in the morning? What's taking your heart? What's taking your mind? What's taking your attention? That could be an idol. Tearing down idols requires courage. Gideon's story is all about courage, but the courage comes from God. The courage comes from the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And tearing down idols requires community. It's not solo. Uh, Mark mentioned earlier opportunities to be in a a small group. One of the best ways uh, at our church you can find that community that comes around you, that has your back, that stands stands alongside of you. You may be thinking right now, I do not have time for that. I I would ask you to deeply consider that as you consider the things that are most important in your life. All right, in seventh grade, my dad gave me a, a Casio calculator watch. I don't know if any of y'all remember this, but it was actually like a whole calculator <laughs> on your arm. And it, it was as awesome as it sounds in 1992. And my dad gave me like what would have been like the best watch in 1992. And I rode bus 129 from Mount Juliet Junior High to my house on Burnett Road. Back in those days, Mount Juliet wasn't as big. And so they picked up the high school kids first at the high school. And they came to Mount Juliet Junior High. Everybody loaded on and we went. So I sat down on bus 129 with my Casio calculator watch. And I noticed this guy sitting behind me. And back then there were ninth graders who had like full lumberjack beards. You know, they were, they were 19 and they'd had, they'd, they had been a part of a long haul and they're still hanging in in ninth grade. And so this guy's sitting behind me and he says, um, he says, that's a nice watch. And I was like, yeah, thank you. My, my dad gave it to me. Uh, but something about the way he said, you have a nice watch, you know, perked my, my interest. And then he said, it actually, he said, it looks a lot like my watch, this watch I had. He said, somebody stole my watch. I had a Casio calculator watch. Uh, and he said, I think you stole my watch. Now that dude knew that I did not steal his watch, but we were engaging in something, you know, at that, at that point. And so he said, give me my watch back. And I said, I don't know where it came from, but my dad gave me that watch, you know. I said to him, I said, no. And he hit me. And he hit me, he hit me like this, like the back of his hand. He hit me right across the face. It knocked my glasses off. And when, you know, seventh grader with glasses, it's like insult to injury, right? Because now you can't see. My face was burning with embarrassment and with pain. I'm looking for my glasses. And with my non-glasses eyes, that's really fuzzy. I saw my older brother, Andy, who was an upperclassman, come over the seat and descend upon the lumberjack. (laughs) I didn't even know he was watching. And what happened between Andy and and that young man has to stay on bus 129. (laughs) All the the statutes of limitations have not not passed. But the bus driver had to stop the bus. And I had to listen to my older brother receive a reprimand and a promise of a principal's office visit the next day. And he just stood there and took it. And the bus driver led us out. We had this long walk home at the end of Burnett Road. My brother walked five steps ahead of me. We, we didn't talk about it. But here's what I remember thinking, you know, as we're making our way back home, I thought, my brother's got my back. My brother's got my back. I knew that. I have a, had a great, I have a great big brother. I knew he had my back, but that day I saw it. And some of you here this morning, you're like, I know what you're saying is true, Jacob. I know God's with me. I know that. But I really need to see it. I really need to see it. And I want to be clear that I'm not like condoning violence. You know, this is not what that's about. I was in that moment all about 
a little uh, restitution. <laughs> Let's not mistake any of this as condoning violence. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. You know, that's not what this is about. But it, but it is about understanding that the idols that we look to, those gods, they will not have our backs. They will not fight our battles for us. They're fake, they're cheap, and they're lies. And so when you begin tearing those down, you will find that the God of Gideon is true to his word. You see, Gideon learned the power of God, not just in the fire of worship, but in going and doing what God told him to do. Even though he tried to minimize it, God's plan prevailed. And so this morning, some of you need to know that God's got your back, that the thing he's calling you into is not something he's gonna call you into and then step back and say, I had nothing to do with that. This is God calling you into a deeper walk, God calling you into life. Would you be willing to not settle anymore so that you could have the life Jesus wants for you? Let's pray. God, thank you for this story of Gideon, which we are bold to claim as our story today. Help us to step into what Gideon stepped into, which is knowing that there's no way in the world uh, that we should be a part of this. Don't you know our family? Don't you know where I'm from? And God continues to urge us and nudge us. So God, this morning, as we take bread and juice and communion, let it be for us the body and blood of Christ that we could receive Jesus who promises us life So even in this act of communion, it could be a transformation, a changing in us, a a moving us forward, a taking us further, a healing, a, a breaking down barriers. There's somebody in this room this morning that needs a barrier to be broken down. They carried it heavy on their shoulders when they walked in. God, there is someone in this room that needs a breakthrough, that needs through the power of the Holy Spirit the same spirit that conquered sin and death on the cross to come and break through in their heart. God, would you do something supernatural here this morning? Something that only you can do. We did not come here to play church. We did not come here to read a fairy tale. We believe that you are the God you say you are, that you are the God of miracles. So work, mighty God. Work, miracle-working God. Do what you've promised. Save us. Change us. In Jesus' name, amen.